Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We give you thanks for this moment. We especially give you thanks for your word that you have spoken to us. Lord God, as we gather here before you this morning, we ask for your grace. Lord, we pray that you'd open our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you, our hearts to know you. Lord, we pray that you'd remove from us in this instant anything that would keep us from you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on this place. Lord, I ask that you give me words to speak, but that my own words and thoughts might be forgotten. In Jesus' name. I recall a time going back, I can't even tell you how many years, when there was a gap between elections, when we weren't constantly in a cycle of getting ready for the next election and the next thing and the next thing. But it seems that that's, that's what life is like these days. It's constantly in the news. Something going on and, and you know, whatever politician is getting ready for the next election and trying to set the stage for it. The election's just finished. They just had a federal election in Canada uh, last month. And already the ground's being set for the next election. Of course, it's not the same here, is it? <laughs> Um, I actually, I think somebody just added their names to the list of uh, Democratic hopefuls just this past week. It just seems to go on and on and, and on. And, it, and, of, and of course, there's you know that small thing that's dominating the news from time to time, something going on in Congress or something. And so this, this whole sense of politics is in front of us all the time. And it's not just here. I mean, in, in Europe, there is uh, something in the in uh, German... Uh, government uh, in Israel, something's just happened there. It's, it seems to be a common s sort of thing. So it, it put in my mind it would be an interesting thing if we had some kind of I don't know, not game shows, not the right thing, contest. I don't know. Best president, prime minister, whatever of the day. So. <laughs> Do we have a candidate? <laughs> no, and let's not just restrict ourselves. I mean, anywhere in the world, is, is there someone that you would say, this is the best one? Wait, a short list? Is that what you said? <laughs> Wait, I mean, we could stretch this out. I mean, let's, let's go back the last 100 years or 150 years. I mean, is there someone you would say, this was the best president? Somebody have a candidate? A lot of people saying no. <laughs> Is Lincoln qualified? I think Lincoln's more than 150 years. <laughs> Boy, we're not coming up with a lot of names, are we? Okay, so let's stretch this out. Anybody, you know, in the last couple of hundred years around the world that we would say, this is the person. If I had to choose a dictator for my, my life, this is the one I'd like to have. Winston Churchill. 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 Oh, okay, a couple nominees for Churchill. 
You know, you, you, you remember he did get voted out the election after the war, right? <laughs> you, you know why? Because he was a wonderful wartime leader, but after the war there were shortages and people thought, surely somebody else will fill our bellies. I'm sure there's other stuff too. Any other nominees? Ronald Reagan? The Queen. The Queen. Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria, yeah. <laughs> what, what are the qualities, what would make, what were the things you would look for that would make you say, and, and now we can, I mean, we can even apply this now as we think ahead about a year. What are the qualities that, that say this, this makes this person the right candidate? Does not have a cell phone. <laughs> Honesty and no cell phone. <laughs> did, did you want to tweet that out? Yeah. <laughs> Stands firm. Stands firm. Empathy. Empathy. Even tempered. Even tempered. Hmm. Uh, tells the truth. Uh, tells the truth. It's hard to get elected doing that, though. <laughs> yes, tell the truth. Has a religious faith. Has a faith? Yeah, there, there's some things. It's, it's not easy, is it? Of course, one of the things that kind of undermines any one of the rulers we could ever pick, president, prime minister, monarch, anything, is they all share one flaw. There you go. They're human. But there are those who are human who are able to... Uh, do okay. And there are those who are human who really don't. And in the book of Jeremiah, we get an address to those who really weren't. This, uh, Jeremiah is given a message from the Lord to speak to those who are the leaders of the nation. And what are those leaders called? What does the Lord call them? Shepherds. What is a shepherd? As a flock, there's the first thing. As some kind of creatures to take care of. Flock of sheep, flock of goats, something. Protects them. What else would we expect? Guides them. Make sure they have food to eat. Anybody here have livestock? Yeah, there's a, I think there's a couple there. So as you take care of them, you know, you're, you're now responsible for these creatures, aren't you? You have to make sure that they have something to eat. You have to make sure they have water. If the weather's terrible, you might want some shelter. If they get sick, you have to find some way to deal with that. Uh, you, you, what else? What else? Most of the rest of us don't have animals. So what are we missing? You have to keep them in the county. You have to keep what? Keep them in the county. <laughs> okay. You have to make sure where they are. Keep them in the county. Yeah. You're responsible for them in every way, aren't you? They, uh, I think somebody once said the reason God calls his people sheep is because sheep are dumb. <laughs> Speaking for some of us, I think there's some accuracy with that. But the Lord says, the leaders of my people, he said, they're shepherds. They're supposed to do all those things for the people. To protect them, to feed them, to guide them, to keep them together. To care for them. To be responsible for them. But the shepherds 
that Jeremiah has been sent to are the exact opposite. They have taken office and they see having office as the opportunity to gain for themselves. To take advantage of the people that they're supposed to be serving. They didn't care for the sheep, they cared for themselves. The sheep in this that he's speaking, or the shepherds he's speaking to see the sheep simply as a means of advantage. They're filled with pride. They're filled with a desire to rule over. But even more than rule over, they're filled with a desire to enrich themselves. And as a result, they scattered the flock, driven them away, not attended to them. And the Lord says, as you have not attended to my flock, I will attend to you. You see, what, we, what is revealed in the Lord's statement is the heart that he has for his sheep. He said, I called you, I appointed you to be a leader over my people. And as a leader of my people, you are to be a shepherd, to care for them, to seek their best. To seek out good places for them to be. To protect them, to keep them in the right boundaries. But not only did you not set good boundaries and care for them, you, you chased them away. And I won't stand for it. So leaders, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to face, face the measure. But I, myself, will shepherd my sheep. I will gather them from all the places where they've been scattered. I'm going to give them good pasture. They're not going to be afraid anymore. They're going to prosper. Because I'm going to provide, I'm going to provide the shepherd that they need. The righteous branch. The son of David who will rule over my sheep. So there's this expectation built in the heart of the people. God is going to intervene. He's going to finally give them the kind of leader that they need to have. Did the Lord do that? Only two heads or three heads are nodding. So are you not sure or are you just shy? <laughs> did the Lord not provide this leader? Yes. Absolutely he did. He provides this leader. Was this leader what the people thought? No, he was not. Because they expected a mighty king to come and, and rule over and make the nation something incredible again. But instead, they encounter Jesus being something that, that was not what they expected at all. In fact, he was so much not what they expected, they decided they better get rid of him. Because he wasn't working out the way they wanted him to work out. So the leaders await. Hmm, once again. The leaders of the day conspired to have Jesus arrested and put to death. And so we have this gospel passage that seems so strange for us, doesn't it? At least it's stirred in me, kind of jarring to hear it today. It's not Easter, it's not Good Friday. Here we're reading about Jesus hanging on the cross. So here's... The Messiah who's come. And we encounter him here hanging on the cross. Hardly the position of a victor over the Romans. 
And what is above his head on the cross but a, a uh, mocking label that says the king of the Jews. The Romans hung it there to send a message to the people. But what do the leaders of the day do? They're mocking Jesus, as are the soldiers. If you're really the Messiah, save yourself and come down. But what they fail to understand is that is exactly what Jesus was doing. Coming down off the cross was not going to save himself or save anyone. It was through the cross that salvation has come. And to understand what salvation is. We have this picture, I think, often where we conceive of salvation as your get into heaven card. And to a degree, I mean, there is, there is some truth to that. It's only through the cross that we may enter into the presence of the Lord and go into heaven. But I, I, I'd encourage you to listen during the Eucharistic prayer this morning. Because in the prayer is this line that says, we thank God for all the benefits of his passion. That word, his passion, refers to Jesus' arrest, his flogging, his beating, his being um, betrayed, the fake trial, his crucifixion. That's the passion that's referred to. All other benefits of his passion. So one of those is indeed eternity in the presence of God. But there's more. First of all, there's the relationship with our Heavenly Father in this very moment right now. Because of the cross, I can call Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, Abba, Daddy, because of the cross. The scriptures say by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. Because of the cross, God pours out his healing onto his people. Healing of our spirits, so that instead of sick, twisted spirits, our spirits can be made whole by the presence of God. The scriptures say, God promised that he would take out our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. That we wouldn't be ruled by an external law that punishes us to try and keep us between the lines. But he would put inside us this love for God and the love for his ways so that just from the inside out we would live differently. We would want to be like Jesus. He heals our spirits. He heals our emotions. That we may be filled with peace. That we can be filled with health. He heals our bodies. He heals our relationships. He brings those who were at enmity with one another, fighting, into being siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's just a sampling of what happened on the cross. Just a sampling of what it is that Jesus did. So as they're mocking him and saying, if you're really going to save us, if you're the Messiah, come down off the cross. But Jesus, in his faithfulness, in his committedness to being our true shepherd, said, no, I will persevere, not for the good, but for the best, for my sheep. 
The depth of God's love for us is displayed in Jesus' willingness to hang on the cross until He died and be buried. He was the King. No, that's the wrong thing to say. Not He was the King. Sunday came. And the tomb was empty. And they saw Him alive. Jesus is the King. In fact, Paul wants us to understand what that really means. He prays this incredible prayer for the people. I mean, just catch the tail end of the prayer. If you want the prayer, just read a little earlier in Colossians chapter 1. He said, May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from His glorious power. There's another benefit of His passion. Well, what kind of power are we talking about that this king has? So Paul tries to find the words to express this. He is the image of the invisible God. When you see Jesus, you see God. What, what did we see in Jesus? Love, compassion, mercy, truth. Truth that stands up no matter what. People healed, people delivered, people set free. The image of God is seen in Jesus. In Him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. We're only here. You only exist because Jesus said so. We only continue to be here because Jesus continues to say so. All things have their being through Him. Things we can't even see, Jesus has made. They exist by His will and for Him. All life that exists in any way, all matter that is here in any way, is because of Jesus. He Himself is before all things. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn of the, bed, of the dead. Through Him, God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth. All the angels, a reference, thrones, dominions, rulers, powers, those are all references to angelic beings. Incidentally, angels aren't dead people. Angels are a separate order of creation. Beings that we can't even imagine. How well do you know your scripture? What do angels say pretty much every time they show up? Usually it's get up. And then don't be afraid. When angels show up, they reflect the glory of God, and it's so overwhelming that mere people can't even hardly stand up in their presence. More than one, more than once in the scriptures, human beings, when they encounter angels, want to worship them, and the angels say, No, 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 no. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just created. Don't be afraid. God has something to say to you. That level of glory that we can't even begin to understand. It's just a shadow of the glory of Jesus. This is the King. And it's His strength, the strength of all that, that Paul says flows into His people. So that we can be what God has created us to be. Jesus is the shepherd. He is the right ruler. He is the one who reigns over us. I thought this morning 
of uh, bringing my passport along. And just as a reminder, because our passport says something about our identity, doesn't it? It says what nation we belong to. It, give us, it gives us a, 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 a route, a, a place. It declares where we belong. It declares where they're going to send you back if you get kicked out of some other country. And in it is our citizenship. Paul says, when we became believers, our citizenship changed. We were taken not out of one country into another country, but out of one realm into another realm. Taken out of the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness where sin rules over everything, where sickness rules over everything, where there's evil and fighting and dissension and lostness, separation from God, essentially. We were taken out of that kingdom and placed into a different kingdom, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in the kingdom of Jesus Christ is light, is life, is hope, is peace, is power, is protection, is love, is mercy, is Jesus. And it's in that kingdom where Jesus reigns, the perfect king. And what we know and what the world will one day come to see is when Jesus hung on the cross, that was just the beginning. And when he comes back, the scriptures say, we will see him as he is. And the whole world will know who this Jesus is. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. When Jesus comes back, we will know He is King. But when He comes back as King, at His second coming, <coughs> then, then is the final thing. At that moment, your kingdom is determined that you walk what God has said to us is you're walking now in my kingdom. In a few days, we have an opportunity to celebrate together with thanksgiving. Thinking of all the good things that God has given to us and done for us. At the heart, at the base of that is who we serve. We are thankful that God has given us this great king. This king who loves us. This king that came and gave his life so that you could have life. Who came and gave his life so that you might know healing. Who came and gave his life so that your heart might be filled with peace. Whether you have lots of stuff or nothing. Whether the world's in upheaval or not in upheaval. We're filled with his peace and his presence and his glory and his power. And so we can be thankful no matter what is happening. No matter who is president. No matter what's going on in the news. No matter whether the world is coming together or flying apart. In the end, it is in the hands of my God. We faced a very difficult time about a year ago. We were agonizing over whether we should listen to you our bishop or not, Bishop Sumner. And Veronica and I were trying to decide, is God calling us to come to this place? Or is this, is this a, a, a not? I don't know how else to put it. Is this his will or not his will for us to do? 
And as we're agonizing through that, and I was asking people to pray, and, and somebody said something to me that kind of settled things in a way. And it was the realization that, in the end, I have to make a decision. And in making the decision, it's in God's hands. And even if I get it wrong, God is still God. And He's still going to bring it into His purpose in some way. And He will still be glorified. And He's still going to love me. If I get it wrong, He's not going to say, oh, I knew it. He would screw up again. That's it. He's out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it was that sense that even if I get it wrong, I'm getting it wrong because my desire is to, obedient, to be obedient to Him. And even if that wasn't even the full case, still God's grace and mercy surround me. He is still my King. And so there's a sense of the ability to even make a decision because of the greatness of our God. Today, in this feast, we have this opportunity to remember we're not just trying to get through life, hoping for the best, but we serve the mighty King who reigns over all things. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the fairest of 10,000. And He has called you by name. And He is your shepherd. A good shepherd. Who cares for you. Who will protect you. Who will provide for you. Who will surround you with His presence. And because of all these things. It is okay to serve Him. With our whole hearts. And trust ourselves completely into His hands. So give thanks on Thursday for who you know. You know the boss. Whatever's going on in the world. Whoever's going to be elected next year, no matter what's going on in the news. The world is in the hands of the mighty God, and it will come out according to His plan in His time. And so in the meantime, let's walk with Him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to truly honor You as our King. We thank You that we can know You. We thank You that You know us by name. We thank you that you care about the smallest details of our life. We thank you that you want what is best for us. But Lord, help us never to forget who you really are. That you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the fairest of 10,000. Help us, Lord, to have a right sense of awe of you. We pray that you be glorified in us and among us. We ask, Lord, for your grace to walk according to your ways. And Lord, fill us with your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.